0: I really, I really enjoyed it but it, it does because it, it goes into a very like um from quite a dark sombre movie into like very wholesome it's almost like oh it's like it's Paper, it's paper Moon all of a sudden nah, oh. that, a, paper yeah. moon. that is exactly yeah.
1: what Sam Mendes says in the commentary he says
0: he says, oh, there go. <laughs> he,
1: he says it's gone a bit Paper Moon um but yeah i I mean what i like is the fact that obviously michael is learning how to drive and getting better at that and becoming basically a better getaway man and they don't do it by having him driving up and down country roads or whatever like that's how they start but they, they they just show you in this montage with each robbery he's getting better and better at like just being able to kind
2: of get there um it's a good it's it's a great gag to show the progression of time And also, I mean, I think it's just it's the it's the funniest shot in any Sam Mendes movie where Hanks comes out of I think it's the first bank and he just sort of stands there (laughs) and very slowly the car comes into the frame and pick. And you're just and it's just it's you're really just watching Tom Hanks you know, restrain his his exasperation and all of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he says, he says, no hurry. We're not in a hurry. He says to him, he says, there's no hurry. <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently Sam Mendes l- loved that because when he saw it the first time, like with an audience, there was like a huge laugh from that. And he was
2: like, and yeah. And this is not a guy who's known for, you know, his movies being howlingly funny. Um, but... I mean but obviously you know he's got the chops to to engineer a shot like that and get the desired yeah. reaction. Um
1: but yeah I mean I just I just love it it's re- it's really fun. Um and also it's nice to see Harry Grainer just kind of popping up here as uh, as an exasperated mm-hmm. bank manager. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know um who I I'm I'm sure there's I'm almost certain there's another film he's been in with Tom Hanks. Um uh maybe after this or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um but no, I, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just a wonderful little sequence. Um, and, you know, we then realize that, you know, the, 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 like, all the mobs have moved their money out of the banks and, you know, to stop him from robbing them. And he asks his bank manager, well, you know, who's got the information? Uh, cut to Dylan Baker living it up <laughs> in the honeymoon suite. Uh, but he informs them, no, there is no Mrs. Rance. <laughs> and I love mm. how. How annoyed he mm-hmm. is at like the you know the room service uh, because I'm guessing somebody has already congratulated him um, since they put him in the honeymoon suite, um, and I mm. just I just kind of I mean I mean it's it, like obviously as I said you know they put him in earlier in the film so they didn't have to do too much introduction and we do just see him kind of going through the order of what he wants for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of cut mm-hmm. we cut between that and then obviously Jude Law who is a, in a hotel room himself which is across the street. Uh, he's there with a the prostitute who obviously is kind of getting bored of whatever they're doing because they've been there for a few days mm-hmm. waiting for uh, Michael to arrive um, and they've painted the car so um, you know they they can kind of go incognito uh, that was that was put in with the montage and a nice bit of uh, father-son bonding as they painted their car uh, to a kind of a, a dark red shade um, and you know we then I mean this sequence is so well done where you know obviously uh when there's a knock on the door, Rance thinks that it's room service again, and he's kind of doing this thing where he's like, you know, well done on the on kind of getting up here quickly, but not for the cooking, and he turns around with his kind of, his egg, and he's like, what do you call this? And we see, obviously, that, you know, Michael Sullivan is standing there with his, his gun, and he's like, um, you know, put,
0: put the egg down. Uh-huh. Um, I think that was my funniest moment hmm. of that whole of the, of the whole movie though was his <laughs> him ordering the egg though. It was just the way he phrased it like listen I want an egg and I want you to listen to me. I want it runny. <laughs> he's just such yeah. an asshole. Just... Yeah. You don't know like, if he's exasperated because he's had to go through so many things or if he's just like this all the time with everybody.
1: Well, in some ways mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of definitely the, the kind of like the he's like this all the time because Rance is like, how did you find me? And he's like, this is the fanciest hotel in the area. <laughs> like, and this, and this is the fanciest just suite. The, like, just, it's, you know, you're a very particular man. Just
2: the, 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 con, the contempt, both for, uh, Rance's fanciness, but also for Rance's nerve at asking how he, like, like thinking he was, at all being covert that hanks packs into you are so very (laughs) particular
1: uh yeah and the i mean these two work together so well i mean uh you know it's just i mean Mm -hmm. let's get them back together in some kind of project come on Mm. i don't know apple tv plus or whoever the hell is making films these days (laughs) uh you know look get me some dylan baker and tom hanks in a film again um, you know have dylan baker be a robot if necessary um and <laughs> yeah i mean this scene is is uh it's on a it's on a stage obviously because they're gonna blow some holes in some walls uh but i i like that mm. um you know uh, he like he's told his son if you see anything suspicious honk on the horn he hadn't accounted for the fact that a ticker tape machine <laughs> will be starting up as soon as mm-hmm. the the opening bell rings and so he's trying to you know Obviously, Rance knows that he's being watched by um, Jude Law, so he's trying to stall by pretending not to know which key fits into his trunk uh, where all the information supposedly is. Um, And I I like how the kind of the delay, you know, as he's delaying, Tom Hanks points the gun (laughs) at his head and says, you've got one more try. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, you know. (laughs) You've forgotten Michael Sullivan is a killer, and will kill you if you don't do what he mm-hmm. says. That was his job. Come on, get on board, Rance. Uh, but yeah, and I do, I do like that. Obviously, you know Jude Law. He he's got this this kind of large shotgun. He's running across the road. He's seen by uh, Michael Jr. Michael Jr. honks on the horn. Can't be heard over the top of the ticker tape. I mean, this is all cut together so well. Um, and then, mm-hmm. just as you know Jude Law gets you know to open the door, that is when um, you know the horn is heard, and obviously Sullivan knows something's wrong, and he jumps behind uh, the now open uh, trunk, which has got nothing in it. Oh um, uh, my! You know, there's some mm-hmm. shots into the wall. Uh, you know, as Rance runs into the bedroom, um, the light kind of streaming through. Uh, the trunk itself had some squibs set into it so that they would go off. Um, you know to kind of sh- like, so The wood flew out and kind of shattered a little bit And it's a wonderful The way it's shot is so wonderful mm-hmm. um, Of course uh, This is where uh, we find out That o- Sullivan can shoot people He gets a shot off It doesn't quite injure um, Jude Law permanently Does something to his face Which we do not see mm. at this particular moment uh, He goes into the bedroom mm-hmm. He sees that unfortunately Rance has been shot from behind Through the wall Uh, But he finds um, some ledgers and he takes them and he, you know, calmly leaves, uh, goes down to his son and they drive off. Um, And of course, this Mm -hmm. is when uh, Jude, like, runs out. He's still shot in the face, but he he fires off some shots and he he hits Sullivan as he's driving away. Um, And just a wonderful action sequence. Like, as you said, you know, people... People didn't... If they'd say in Sam Mendes couldn't direct a Bond film, they obviously hadn't seen this. Yeah. The intercutting mm-hmm. between the different kind of people, the locations, you have a very clear... Something that obviously is missing in some action scenes, you have a clear sense of geography. You know where everybody is at every point during this uh, this shot. Mm-hmm. And Sam Mendes even admits that he basically shot all this kind of out-sequence in bits and pieces, and it wasn't until he started editing it together that he really kind of got an idea of what the whole sequence mm-hmm. was. Uh, but he knew he had these... You know, he's got Michael, he's got... You know, Rance, he's got Sullivan He's got all these different people and he's got to keep giving you information About where they are And it is such a wonderful sequence Um, You know, and, you know, this leads to Obviously uh, The reason Mm -hmm. why um, You know, uh, Maguire will continue to pursue Sullivan even after You know, the the hit is called off Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, because he's shot in the face (laughs) He's pretty face Um, You know uh, but yeah I mean how are we feeling about this this whole action sequence uh, you know
2: Well I I think it's 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 brilliantly staged and I remember you know vividly like you know Rance pulling down the drapes so that the whole the whole room which initially is very bright is suddenly this kind of deep orange color uh if I'm remembering correctly, and just, you know, this combination of visual style and pacing and the cross-cutting and all of that works so well, and it's especially coming on the heels of this Paper Moon montage where the movie gets a little spring in its step for a minute um, is really a very sharp way to bring that to a close and to remind you that it's like, even if we're having a good time, this is still life or death stakes in this thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I was really reminded of that uh, With the gut punch of finding out That Dylan Baker had been killed through the <laughs> wall Because I just have such an affection for Him as an actor, and that character At that point, so they come in and like Oh, oh no he got him, oh
1: god damn it Yeah um, This leads to the slowdown In the film, you know, we can't be all Shots and driving, you know, we've got to slow down a little bit as Sullivan and Michael kind of get to know each other while his father recovers from the shot on this farm. Mm -hmm. They just stop at a random farm. Fun fact, Mm. there was a driveway that was CGI'd out and turned Mm. into grass uh, so that they kind of the distance was made a little bit more uh, harder for them to get to the the farmhouse. Um, Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Um, these farm people are very they're very they're very nice to the like these random strangers who just turn up with the gunshot mm. wound. Um mm-hmm. I guess you know, people back then were a lot friendlier. I don't know what I don't know what the message is trying to be sent, but they just they happily nurse him back and Sam Mendes did point out that obviously this farm has more of a homely feel than any of anywhere we've had previously in the entire film. Like there, it's kind of like a very it feels very warm and more like a home than, than kind of anything else did. You know, everything else was a bit more clinical, and, uh, you know, particularly the, the original, like the Sullivan's home, uh, was apparently it's a mm-hmm. deliberately oversized set, so everything felt a lot more spaced out and a lot more kind of, um, you know, kind of like a kind of colder. Um, and then this farm, mm-hmm. it's, you know, if I got shot in the shoulder, it'd be a nice place to, you know, recover for a few weeks, mm-hmm. um, you know, before no, I get no, someone... revenge.
0: But if you watch a lot of these movies, though, like, I just felt so bad. Like, in in advance, I've been like, oh, these these nice people in this house, they're probably going to get killed. You're almost sitting waiting for, like, (laughs) no, after they leave, there's going to be something where Jude Law shows up and massacres his whole family. But thankfully, we don't get to see that. (laughs) But I was sitting waiting for it. It's like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no.
2: Well, one of the really great things about this movie and why almost 20 years later it's still worth talking about even outside of the context of a Tom Hanks podcast is it chooses really interesting places to turn into expectation and turn uh, turn away from them and places to you know innovative way innovative areas to be vicious innovative areas to be tender and that it kind of keeps you uh, uh ricocheting between between these poles but very comfortably uh is is just a real sign of some real tonal some mastery of some really tricky tone mm. um and i think it's why even though by now you know i mean this is this is in itself it's uh max allen collins even said like the title is a riff on. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby stuff. It's it's basically transposing Lone Wolf and Cub to a thirties gangster uh, setting. That you know that that a setup like this, That it basically has the same setup as John Wick, but which of course goes in a very different direction. All of these factors where it's it's one it's it's kind of one boxcar on this very long train of of this tradition of storytelling, and I think is still worth discussing is that you walk into a scene and you're afraid that this person's going to e- going to eat it and they don't and you have no idea that this beloved uh character actor there's no way they would get this guy for just one scene oh no he's just in the one scene <laughs> um you know that it keeps finding ways to play on your expectations and reverse them is why i think we can still have a good conversation about it all this time later yeah, yeah.
1: um While kind of recovering, uh, Sullivan gets to know his son a little bit and they kind of talk about, you know, what he enjoyed at school. Um, There's a kind of heartbreaking moment when um, he asks about uh, Peter and he's told Peter was good at maths. And, Mm. you know, obviously Tom Hanks is kind of extremely, uh, you know, kind of sad to to kind of see uh, that, you know, basically he'll never get to know Peter. You know, he didn't realize that Peter was good at maths and now he's found it out too late. Um, Yeah. And I think it's just a great moment of just like Tom Hanks kind of you know showing this kind of emotion you know for this father who basically was mostly kind of closed off to his sons and you know there's this moment where he says you know was Peter your favorite son and obviously he has to say no. No like you know he loved them both like you know and and the feeling that basically Michael had that his father didn't love him is basically (laughs) kind of questioned as did you love Peter more? Um, Yeah. And it's just it's just a wonderful moment of like kind of the two of them getting
2: gradually closer. Um, But I remember thinking there's also some there's some real wonderful subtlety to Hanks's performance here, where obviously he's not going to tell he's not going to tell Michael, of course, I love Peter more. (laughs) Um, But there's this weight to his character that suggests that while he would never choose to be in the situation he's in where half his family has been killed there's almost this sense that if sullivan found himself in this situation but it, but peter was the kid who had survived it might be, have been somehow easier
0: yeah. that
2: peter was just sort of the he was the more easygoing kid there was less there was less static in their relationship mm. and so and and he he doesn't necessarily communicate this. He It's certainly not in the dialogue. It might not even be in the performance. But I remember kind of inferring this from the movie uh, and just at what a heartbreaking thought that would be and especially to see that Sullivan kind of feels this and that Michael in this kind of, you know, who spends this movie growing this growing this protective shell watching watching that get woven into that too is you know that's that's not something you see a whole lot of yeah like even even in the godfather where after one of his sons is dead and one is is a dysfunctional idiot you know it's it's the the don still basically says to michael like yeah, Sonny wasn't a good fit for this and Fredo's Fredo, but you're you and that's great. And it's like, and that's heartbreaking enough to hear but to not be told that but still feel it as though you have been told that by your father like that's, that's got some heft to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, With this, we then enter what I'm going to call Act 3. Hello guys,
1: welcome to Act (laughs) 3. Sullivan has figured it out uh he's figured out that um you know uh connor has been stealing from the family and so in a bold move he goes to church uh much like um that guy who sang that song about taking people to church advised <laughs> he goes to church and he i this is it's a wonderful shot where basically rooney sits back down i think from having uh eucharist and then we just see this hat and Tom Hanks just kind of lifts his head up and he's like, hello. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Yeah, I,
0: <laughs> I was wondering at this point, I was like, does Rooney go and like have the same seat every week? Like how did, or was there a scene of Solve and having to be like, okay, get out of my way. Okay, scooch over, scooch I over. Mean, okay, there he is. Scooch, scooch, scooch. Oh, okay, now I'm here. Okay, great. I would yeah. expect somebody <laughs> just, like that just a
1: whole, would have his own, <laughs> <laughs> own pew. Like he would have like a seat where he's going to sit so he's closer to God than everybody else.
0: Yeah. But now
2: I do want a deleted scene of Tom Hanks having to very quietly negotiate <laughs> negotiate with a bunch of chicago parishioners <laughs> just to try and get this one seat yeah.
0: yeah and then when everyone gets up for communion oh no people are rearranging with us oh god they think do it all over again.
1: uh it's it's done as a close-up but apparently originally there was a wider shot where there were two bodyguards either side of rooney and sam mm. mendez cut them out and then he cgi'd because um there was a point where um tom hanks was saying some words and so he cgi'd tom hanks's mouth shut So that the, you know, Mm. the kind of the greeting as he lifts his head is um, is is more uh, like makes the point instead of him being like, oh, these bodyguards, you've got to get rid of them or whatever. Um, So he took some conversation out there and made it a lot neater. Um, Obviously, they go down into the basement of a church uh, to have a discussion. And this is where we find out that Rooney knew all along and he doesn't care, quite frankly. And, you know, that's it, you know. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. you know, there's no point. Like, it, right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. You're gonna kill us. We're, you know, as he says, none of us are getting in, into heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, everybody in the you know everyone here is a murderer. Like that. I love that line from Paul Newman. where He's basically saying both of us are terrible people. We kill people all the time. Like that's our that's our entire profession. Well, like, and why do you
2: care? And I I love it, especially in a movie like this. In a scene, in this. Chilly church basement between two of the most beloved and beliked figures in movie history. I mean, I think the line, the the line is perfectly organic in the context of the scene. But I also think the reason why it sticks with you is they are like it's it they it's almost a fourth wall break in its directness of reminding the audience to look past your relationship to these performers, because that's not, and it's, it's, it's meant to be a wake up call for Sullivan, but it's also for us. It's like, it's, it's the ultimate reminder. It's like, we know you love Butch Cassidy. We know you love big. We know you love everything. These guys do. They are (laughs) by all reports, the best people in the world. Uh, and, and, um, as well as being talented and good looking and all these wonderful things, but it's really important that you remember at this, at this key moment, uh, to strip away the last of the illusions and be like, no, they are murderers. They are terrible people. They are good. Like even being in church, even if, even if Rooney has his own pew, it's all a public facing charade because he knows he's going to hell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will say one thing I distinctly remember when this movie came out. I think it was the review in either Hot Dog magazine or Empire, Uh, and they're saying like Paul Newman gives a fantastic performance, but you can't help but be distracted by his bottom lip, which looks like sun-baked leather. And every time now I watch it, particularly in this scene, because you get you know a couple of really good, well-lit close-ups of Paul Newman. Like I can't my because of that review, my eye is always instantly drawn to like mustache. Like, you know, strip of leather underneath, like baked
2: leather. Niall, if you That's ruin this movie thing. for me moving forward, so help me. <laughs> I also, uh, I also, also weird, want to though, take a minute where I, I, I am certain Hot Dog Magazine is just a clever name for a magazine, much the same way Rolling Stone Magazine is not actually about Rolling Stones, but I cannot help but imagine it being a very literal title and sort of the hot dog equivalent of like cigar aficionado. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> hot dog, hot dogs weekly. Yeah, no, no, hot dogs. It was a tragically, it was like a great, great movie magazine mm. that was like oh, it was fantastic. It was one of those ones that was just, it was too good to live. Yeah, yeah. like it only lasted for about three or four years, and it was just like it just stopped coming out. Like, they, oh,
2: they gave away a lot of, of, of them.
1: Really good posters in Hot Dog magazine mm. as well. I remember. I feel like uh, yeah, yeah, I feel I,
2: like we we had we had Film Threat over here, which was kind of. The that, that was the magazine, you know. Premier magazine is where you would have Tom Hanks on the cover, Hawking, Forrest Gump, and Film Threat was where you'd have like Quentin Tarantino holding a gun to his head. It was, you know, it was it was yeah. it was the not your not your daddy's film magazine. I
0: think it was the same pitch. of this is like, you know, on one side you'd have like oh Empire is covering the Born Identity, mm-hmm. and then in Hot Dog they have a, like a character analysis of like someone from A Clockwork Orange. Mm. Like that was their kind of focus was on. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of, like, proper, like, not blockbuster yeah. movies, you know? But, well, uh, oh, phant- pour one out for Hot Dog Magazine RIP
2: to all of these uh, long-lost yeah. film mags of the 90s and aughts.
1: Though, take a guess, as, uh, who was on the final cover of the last episode of, uh, the last um, issue, should I say, of uh, Premiere?
2: Um, I think I knew this at blip. one point, and I remember thinking... It seemed like the sort of person you put on the cover when you don't know it's going to be your last issue. Yeah,
1: it was uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Napoleon Dynamite because uh, oh. they was promoting Blades of Glory at the time. Wow! The All play. right, yeah. Oh, so man. if you I knew, I was really it was... hoping it was going to be Tom Hanks. So uh... is, oh, I would have blended so perfectly. <laughs> if you knew I... it was the final issue, you definitely wouldn't have put those guys on the, on the cover. Tom Hanks yeah. was
2: not—he ne- was on, if not the first cover of Premiere, it was one of the first because I remember it was him and Dan Aykroyd hawking Dragnet. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. may have been mm. the very first issue.
0: I do I think that I- was one of the things though of smelling trouble for Hot Dog Magazine <laughs> was that and initially like the front cover would be like, oh here's like an old painting mm. of like Taxi Driver or something and then towards the end you get like a scantily clad Alicia Cuthbert <laughs> promoting the girl next door. And you can tell like this isn't what this magazine is but <laughs> yeah. you see like they're clearly not getting the sales. you got to do something.
2: you got to do something to get the sales up. And yeah. yeah. Too little, too late, I guess. The, the, the arts were bad, guys. The arts were just, they were just bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: we get a sequence where um, Sullivan takes his Tommy gun out of its case uh, and he puts it together. He writes a letter for his son, uh, uh, which obviously, you know, is basically saying, if I don't come back. Um, apparently these two were the other way around. He wrote the letter and then he put the gun together and Tom Hanks suggested to Sam Mendes it would have more power if it was done the other way around. Sam Mendes agreed mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, that worked. Um, so that's what you get for having Tom Hanks on set. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously at this point he directed a, at least one film uh, and so you know he took that knowledge. Um, and this is where we get the big sequence. Um, you know, the kind of... The thing that I guess this film is really kind of known for. One
2: uh, one quick interjection before we get there, because yes. it, it just bubbled to the surface for me. But the... Um, when he... When Sullivan addresses the envelope to Michael, he puts this beautiful little curly Q. Uh, he signs a little, beautiful little uh, curly Q underneath Michael with two little two little hash marks in it. And I started adopting that immediately after this movie i it was it was i wish i could say it was the last uh, the 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 the, um last affectation i adopted from a movie not even close but that was that was one where i was just like oh i can figure out how to do that and it looks classy There was
1: that year when you dressed exclusively in tracksuits that had a Z on them.
2: Absolutely, uh, absolutely
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we get like this amazing sequence. It's beautifully shot by Comrade L Hall. R.I.P. Mm. R. Comrade L Hall. Um, you know the rain coming down, uh, the kind of reflections and everything, and just I mean Sam Mendes said he wanted it to be more kind of dreamlike. Uh, than kind of, you know, just a normal gangster shootout. Um, And, of course, it starts with everybody exiting from the bar O'Neill's, not the franchise bar, which is very popular for a brief period here in in the UK. Um, And as they exit, they get to their car and they find that the driver is already dead. I like how he kind of just slumps forward to let everybody know. Um, And then, you know, from the distance, um, you know, as as we focus on Paul Newman, all of his guys are getting shot, and they're getting shot, mm. and falling down in the rain, and we don't see who's doing it at first, and then we see yeah. complete silence as well. Mm-hmm. which is like one of the yeah. best
0: things of it. It's like there's no there's no gunshots, so when the gunshot does eventually sound off, it has more of an impact. Yeah, because it's like a big death. Sam so Mendes very...
1: said this this had score, and they took the score out because they were like, no, just kind of get it down to just the silence and just people kind of being shot and just falling over, and we don't really kind of we don't get it until the end of
2: sequence that you know what's happening I mean it's it's um, it's also such a, a, a it, speaking of having sort of paradoxical uh elements to it but it's like on the one hand between the umbrellas and the rain and just the the just the staging of it and everything like these deaths are glorious and not at all the focus of of this shot like it's it's no. so beautifully done and just to, to make the violence the point and not the point all at once uh, is... I, I don't I don't know how you do that, but then you look at the elements of this scene and, yeah, there are mi- million different ways they could do the Score, no score. Sound design, no sound design. And just to do it this way, which is, again, it's the most stripped-down way to do it. It's the most emotionally intimate way to do it. It just, I mean... Ten out of ten stars, guys, yeah, mm. and of
1: course, as he emerges, we see we we get the shot of tom Hanks framed so that the the, the Tommy Gun is just out of shot, mm-hmm. and we we see the people on the floor, but we don 't see the like the bullets going from the gun, you know it 's all framed very specifically, of course, Paul Newman is left for last <laughs> mm-hmm. he 's standing kind of just you know not cowering, but just kind of standing there, knowing that you know he 's brought this upon himself. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, this is where, you know, as he gets closer, um he says he says to Tom Hanks, I'm glad it's you. And then of course Tom Hanks goes ham and just unloads that Tommy <laughs> gun into him and that's when we it we find like, yeah, this score man's and, so old. You could yeah. just push
0: him over and he'd die, but he has to unload uh, the entire hmm. gun into him.
1: Yeah. Like he really goes to town on killing this guy. We get <laughs> the score comes back in as well at that point. Um and mm. I think as an as an audience member, like this is kind of satisfying. But then, of course, uh, welcome to the epilogue because we still have one more person to take care of. Mm-hmm. And of well, course, I
0: should say before going on, though, oh, yes. this would have been uh, this scene, though, would have been the big, like the last, like live action big screen scene of Paul Newman. Yeah. Like he died a couple of years after, and like I think he did like made for TV stuff, and he did, of course, voice in Cars mm-hmm. like a couple yeah. of years later. But this would have been like, yep. In terms of going to the cinema and seeing Paul Newman, this would have been the last scene Hon- a lot of people would have seen that guy in. So. Honest to
2: God, you you almost couldn't go out on a better note. I mean, to have, yeah, yeah to have. Yeah. To, first of all, for for any performer, regardless of where they are in your career, but just to have a scene like this, to have that orchestrated around your exit from a film, like that's, I mean, that's just gorgeous. And of course, and and I read, I read it in the IMDb trivia. So so take this with a dose of salt. <laughs> but like Conrad Hall was operating the camera on this and was like moved to tears uh, over Paul Newman's performance, but also because they had been working together. They'd, they'd made movies together going back as far as Cool Hand Luke, which is fully 35, 36 years before this. And so they had they had grown together into these old men and Conrad Hall was apparently moved to tears By being there, you know, being there, at what turned out to be the end really for for both of them in a way, uh, which has a kind of beauty to it. And again, like just they both get to make these incredible exits after these phenomenal careers off of this one scene. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: You know, Tom still has one more person to kill, though, Hmm. Um, which is good old Danny Craig. Um, and I like how we kind of get a mirror of earlier when he came to see Niti and was like, can I kill him? And he was like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the building is basically empty and everyone is opening the door for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> marching
0: in and people like opening the elevator for yeah, him and
1: everything. They're, they're, they're letting him, like the guys who basically were going to kill him earlier and now the ones who are pressing the, bo- the doors for him. There's a wonderful, mm. I mean, an amazing shot where he goes, there's like a... It's like a steady. It's like a crane steady cam shot that turns into a normal steady cam shot mm-hmm. as the steady cam operator steps off the crane as he's walking down the hallway, um, and apparently that hallway came apart. And as the camera came in, they put the hallway together behind. Mm. So they were they were putting the pieces of the hallway back in as yeah. as it as it came into shot. So it's mm. kind of an amazing shot. Um,
0: and yeah, there's f- a scene that kind of reminded me a bit though of um, like the uh, No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. in that. You know the the the, the, the entire build up of No Country for Old Men. Spoilers if people haven't seen it, and you should because it's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're building and building to this uh, Josh Brolin Javier Bardem showdown, and then it doesn't happen. Right, like Brolin's <laughs> yeah, killed. Yeah. He's killed off screen by other people, and it's just like, oh, that wasn't very satisfying. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. And this also feels like now you've had this grand exit where he had to like you know very mournful scene where he had to essentially kill his father. And then now it's going to go to take out the actual guy he wants to get. And it's very quick and unsatisfying. And you're just kind of like oh yeah that was just yeah. like a, a formality and Sam, more than anything, Sam, was...
1: Sam Mendes did that deliberately he didn't want this to be like a big shootout or anything he just literally wanted it to be like he's in the bathtub it's the same as it's basically just mirroring what happened to his own family they were defenseless yeah. in the bath in the there's no, bathroom. no
0: dialogue like no. Craig doesn't even get to have a line It's just like you don't even no. know if he's aware that he's about to get shot or what, what the what exactly he's going through his head at the time it's just like nope there's no words
2: just they, he's gone well, that's N- it Nitty so doesn't,
1: N- doesn't let him know he's going to be killed <laughs> the other way he <laughs>
2: it's Um, so it's so dramatically abrupt and blunt but the the filmmaking of it with you know this elaborate you know dismantleable hallway and then that you we don't see we don't see connor get shot but that you know but that uh there's a there's a mirror on the outside of the bathroom door and connor's in the bathtub and that as Sullivan leaves he bumps the door and the door just swings open and it's in the reflection that we see and I'm yeah. I'm assuming there had to have been a, a set PA behind that door to make sure that it stopped at <laughs> exactly the right spot or a stopper on the floor or so, just something so that it it, yeah. it, it it swung open just the right amount and didn't bounce shut again but it's it's so it's dramatically blunt. There's no, there's no begging. There's no blubbering. There's no none of that. It's just one gunshot and it's done. But it's delivered so artistically and so theatrically that, again, it, it should, if it was just he walks up to him and shoots him, that could be unsatisfying. But it's delivered so, ri- it's, that, it's that minimalism and richness working together hand in hand again. And it's just, it blows me away every time
1: uh we then uh, cut to lake michigan uh we've mm. been there before um and uh we get it's this just a happy ending
0: and yeah yep, that was the end of the movie yeah let's let us roll i
2: turned it off at this point it's great they, they <laughs> yeah. spend a lot of time on we lake know michigan. what happens mm-hmm. yeah uh
1: yeah so of course just a, again an amazing shot as we see the reflection of the beach Um, you know uh, Michael has gone down to the beach and he's kind of playing with the dog Uh, Sullivan has gone inside and he's looking at his son and as Sam Mendes told me in the director's commentary to make it more obvious uh, his son waves hello um, and then he instantly becomes him waving goodbye as his father is shot from behind and um, you know obviously he you know doesn't realize what's happened he's still just waving up at his father Um, and this is only the second time that Tom Hanks has died on
2: screen. <laughs> uh, I, I count, I count third, unless we're unless uh, we're not, unless we're not counting Philadelphia. Philadelphia, he dies off screen. Oh, okay. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, You're he doesn't right. die on. It feels like he dies on screen because there's so much emotion around it, but he dies off screen. Um, and I find it funny that both times when this happens, uh, he gets shot and he lies down or sits down as he does in in, in Saving Private Ryan and um obviously in savior private Ryan he gets his gun out and starts shooting at a tank and it explodes <laughs> and we think that he's done that <laughs> uh which is a wonderful moment but here obviously you know uh, jude jude law kind of uh enjoys the moment as he kind of um poses his you know this this like he sees the body and he get, he puts his camera in place and he kind of takes the picture obviously it was a long exposure so he you know we see the kind of picture uh, for a few seconds um and then of course this is where um, you know, Michael comes in and both... It's funny because both, um, you know, Maguire and Sullivan know that Michael Jr. will not kill um, Maguire. And obviously Sullivan doesn't want him to kill him. You know, like, he he, he wants his son to not become a murderer. Um, but, of course, at the same time, Maguire is like, just give me the gun. Like, the gun is pointed at him, but he's like... He knows he's not going to pull the trigger, so he's like, just give me the gun. Like, he's putting his hand out. Um, uh, but, of course he's unaware of the fact that obviously this is a Tom Hanks film and Tom Hanks gets what he wants and he wants Jude Law dead and as in Saving Private Ryan he gets his gun out and he shoots Jude
0: Law and Jude Law comically falls to the floor um and it was one of these things though cuz like oh he, Tom takes a couple of hits and he's yes. still going and Jude Law's like one hit dead dead <laughs> like yeah. instantaneously Where? well it's because obviously
1: you know Tom Hanks is top villain and Jude Law is third third billing when you're third billing you don't get to <laughs> you, don't you don't get, get
2: to, to ride, ride, ride around just, and have a final billing, line. billing dictates bullet sensitivity it just that's just yeah. fact. yeah i mean it, they do do a, it's a great fake out though
0: because you're kind of like it's all in this hinge of like is the is the kid gonna have to become a killer himself and stuff and then when you hear that bang you think michael has shot him but it turns out like no his soul is still mm. pure essentially and it yeah. actually was like his father, it's almost like a parting gift that he killed him for him. Yeah. So he can go on to be like a good man and stuff.
1: It's weird because uh, the three main people that are on the poster all finish this film dead. So, mm-hmm. so, and Sam Mendes actually points out the entire film is a flashback. So every single character that you see is already dead before the film starts. Interesting. Um, even if Even if they didn't die, you know, within the span of the film. This is set in 1931. These people are all in their <laughs> 40s and 50s. They're all dead. Um, (laughs) So the entire film is ghosts, apparently, and and I thought that's an interesting idea that you know, like the flashback means that everyone is a ghost already. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: (laughs) So yeah, we get we we get the satisfaction of 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 Jude Law being killed and falling down funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, that was Jude Law's choice to do that fall like that. Um, But it's it's a wonderful moment. Um, And then, of course, you know, uh, Michael decides to go back to the farm. I should say when they left the farm earlier, they gave him a ton of money. (laughs) So. Those farm, those farm people are obviously, you know, they were happy to see, probably see this kid again because they're thinking he's bringing them more cash um, yeah. from all There's the. There's like a note it.
0: underneath. that's like, if I die, you better take care of my <laughs> well, goddamn kid. And, that is the contingent of this money. And
2: before we get back to the farmhouse, though, and you pointed out the similarities with, uh, with his death in Private Ryan, because they, because Michael and Sullivan do have like one last minute before before sullivan oh yeah yeah sorry i skipped over no, 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 no. Yeah. it just but it's funny because in my mind i i know that I, I know that the dialogue is along the lines of like michael is apologizing saying he couldn't do it and sullivan is reassuring him saying yeah. he's glad he didn't in I my didn't head to do it, yeah. in my head it's just sullivan saying earn this and earn then this. <laughs> and then michael morphs into old matt damon <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, it's, I know they are two separate movies, but until you pointed it out, like, there's a reason why I conflate those two endings in my head. And it's not just the death, yeah, it's the it, staging of it, it's the, it is what a, it he is has time left yeah. to do, it's all of that.
1: Apparently, on the day, uh, Tyler had issues crying. Hmm. And and so Sam Mendes motivated him by saying, imagine how proud your parents will be if you can actually pull this off. Hmm. And that motivated (laughs) him to start crying. (laughs) uh, Yeah, he goes back to the farm. We get a bit of voiceover, tying things in, obviously, you know, a bookend to what we started. Um, And he says, you know, a lot of people think I grew up on a farm. And he's like, I guess I did. Um, You know, but obviously he had he remembers those six weeks that he had these these adventures with his father. Um, you know, before he kind of finally found the home that he grows up in, um, and that's where the movie ends. Uh, mm. You know, he he went on to be a farmer or something. I don't know. I mean, my
0: daughter found a Kent farm, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: if they were if they were clever, they would have ended with him landing on Omaha Beach. Um, a decade later <laughs> 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 yeah that's the last thought that goes through his head as he, as he gets shot um, you know uh, that would have been a good ending they didn't do it unfortunately um, I feel like I know where both of you guys are but let's go to the rating obviously we only have two it is T Hanks or no T Hanks and I'm going to say uh, Niall your oh, oh
0: dreadful dreadful movie <laughs> hated everything no no this is this is really 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 terrific uh it was one of those ones i hadn't watched it in so long as well and i was just like yeah no one ever really talks about road to perdition anymore like it was a big thing when it came out like yeah. it, it felt so to me and it just seems to kind of have slipped uh, through the cracks and the like, going back to it's like no this is a, a a rock solid movie there's literally very very little wrong with it like uh, everyone's firing on all cylinders and as i said like, my only misgivings were like the 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 casting of Jude Law, but that's more on me for being not been able to get past the fact that it's Jude Law and a yeah. playing very much against type. But you know, sometimes you you take a risk and it doesn't entirely pay off. But his performance is great anyway. And Tom Hanks is himself playing against type, but is you know a, a master of his craft. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a terrific film.
1: I say as well, when Jude Law comes back at the end with his like disfigurement, it's just some dots on his face. Like they didn't really. They didn't go to town on it. I mean, he basically gets shot, like, within two minutes, so I guess they didn't want to put... It's like it kind of looks
0: like Andy Circus on every set ever now. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. That's pretty, that's
1: pretty much the look.
2: Uh, and Alex? Uh, it's a pretty substantial T. Hanks for me. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of overlooked because I think it was made at a time when something like this could be sort of taken for granted as either a prestige picture or just another mob movie, but to the extent it's not really something we see made that much anymore, um, something that is serious and kind of lyrical and not associated with a franchise and uh, impossible to yeah. sequelize, uh, I love this movie. And but it, it hits in such a way that I forget between viewings uh, how much I love it, and so it's like um, it's a bit of it's a bit like. A memento, where each time I sit down with it, it's this, uh, it's this amazing new find for me. Um, <laughs> even while it gets even more familiar to me. Um, so I'm glad this is one you had me on to talk about. I love it. Yeah, big T Hanks.
1: Uh, yeah, obviously T Hanks from me. Uh, you know, I saw it at the cinema. It's weird because this is a little run of, I, I, have got this on DVD. I've got the next one on DVD and then I've got the lady killers on DVD. That's the only run of three Tom Hanks films that I own on DVD. Um, so obviously, you know, I very much liked this film enough to buy it. I mean, mostly for the Sam, Sam Mendes of it, you know, that, I mean, you know, I, I was obviously a big fan of what he was doing. Uh, I love away we go. It, that's an, another underrated kind of Sam Mendes film um
2: oh away we go i i always forget no. about that one uh i mean i legitimately i know i love it i'm sorry to jump in i know i love it i know in yeah. my heart that it's fantastic uh and completely forget about it every single time but yeah that's that's a gr- another great one
1: um i think maybe because it kind of started to fall in, into, into that whole kind of um extremely kind of like twee indie movie type thing but i think it avoids some of the cliches but uh yeah you know so people should kind of check out away we go at least um
2: Oh yeah, beautifully, beautifully sidesteps all of that and just has some gorgeous performances in it too. Uh, you know, Maya Rudolph is unbeatable anyway, and I think that's some of her best work. Ah, uh, yeah. So I mean, this like you know, Sam Mendes as a director, I think he you know he only he only got better
1: and better as he went on, um, and I I think also. Um, you know, I, I, the only reason I saw those James Bond films was because they were directed by Sam Mendes. I'm not a James Bond person. Um, you know, I still haven't seen Casino Royale, either version, because I'm not a James Bond person. Um, but mm. I, I saw both Sam Mendes, James Bond films in the cinema. Um, and I also saw, uh, uh, you know, No Time to Die as well, because, you know, I've got to support the economy yeah. these days. And, you know, uh, so... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just I really like this. And I think it like, you know, the three main leads kind of give great performances. And also, you know, little Superman is also really, really good. Like it's it's hard to be on screen with like those actors. (laughs) You know, he spends most of his time on screen with Tom Hanks, who at this point had like two Oscar nominations and two Oscar wins. Like it's hard for a kid to kind of be on screen with that and still manage to kind of hold his own. So he does a really good job. Um, and then also Paul Newman as well. You know he spends a lot of time on screen interacting with Paul Newman. It's
2: like yeah, there are a couple of you know, they're particularly early on at the wake. You know Newman has a couple of really lovely scenes with the boys, and you just which is supposed to act as a bit of a fake out, like this is just another Paul Newman performance. When in fact he's you know as we'll come to find he's his cold blooded killer. But I do get the sense that we're watching Paul Newman the actor, not uh, not. Rooney the mobster uh, patriarch, uh, Rooney the mob patriarch. We're watching Paul Newman the actor making these two boys feel very at home so they can all work together. Um, And I may be characterizing him. Uh, I'm going to leave that to Niall since that's his uh, podcast expertise covering Newman stuff. (laughs) But uh, oh, and and as we were discussing before, this is absolutely, (coughs) excuse me, absolutely no shade on. Uh, Tom Hanks and Jennifer Jason Leigh, both of whom are very good looking people, but the way in which uh, uh, that kid has grown up, its is, he is so handsome to the point where he is now utterly implausible as being their kid. Yeah.
1: So, well, uh, let's wrap this up with plugs. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug? I'm going to say Niall, obviously, aside from, uh, you know, what's new, man, the, you know,
0: I oh, am. Yeah. What's new, man? i going through the m- movies of Paul Newman minute by minute. Uh, and uh, they're not new. They're like 60 years old now. It's crazy. But, uh, no, I'm actually from uh, Bat Minutes, which is a podcast that does analyze the Batman movies from 1989 onwards, uh, one minute at a time. Uh, we're like nearly at the end of the 90s quadrology now. We're nearly v- rapidly approaching the end of Batman and Robin. So that entire set will be there for people. Uh, Darren, you obviously featured uh, in every season. You'll be recording... Your for this season, you know, that hasn't happened yet, but you will be soon. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then after that, we'll be going the Batman Beyond, as it were. But uh, yeah, you can find that on all good podcatchers And uh, yeah, we're on Twitter and Facebook and you know this all all the usual social media places. You can you can find us anywhere.
1: And Alex, you have anything you wish uh, to? Plug? Yes.
2: Um, if you haven't seen Dune, uh, I know it just left HBO Max. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with it. Just it's a really cool movie uh that i liked a whole lot um but uh you can catch uh of course the podcast i'm now rushing to start uh laying down the law and of course uh and uh this being the holiday season i do want to take a chance to plug um an absolute career highlight for me the music video for the song puppy for hanukkah uh performed by david diggs william hudson and jonathan snipes uh i directed that music video and i'm (laughs) very happy to see that um it is now, in, it debuted last Hanukkah, it, it seems to be making a return uh, this year, and that's very exciting to uh, To see something that my team and I had hoped was going to be, um, become something of a holiday uh, perennial staple, to see that actually happening is very gratifying, so if you've seen the music video, I hope you enjoyed it, if ah. you haven't, you should check it out, it's a lot of fun. Uh, As far as if you're looking for podcasts I've done that actually do exist, you can always check out this year's Rent, which I co-host with journalist Laura Hertzfeld. Uh, We have been spending this year reconnecting uh, over our love and somewhat cringe memories of uh, the musical Rent, which is now celebrating its 25th anniversary year. Uh, We've had some tremendous guests. We had... um, Anthony Veneziali, who just won a Tony for appearing in Broadway's uh, Freestyle Love Supreme. We had Adam Shapiro from the Broadway production of Waitress. Uh, We've had some really wonderful people. Uh, A close personal friend of mine who was the original line and lottery guy for the show back in the late 90s, Um, Who, uh, My friend Justin Plowman, who uh, I've known for ages on ages, and it was great to talk shop with him and reconnect a little bit. We've got a few more episodes in the pipeline before we wrap out our year of celebration and, again, kind of cringe recollection of the show. And uh, we've got a couple more episodes to wrap out our year of celebrating the show. Uh, and I hope you give it a listen. It's available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: See, been, we're at that rich period now where it's just like all the hype is now building for a new Batman movie, which is like it only happens every once in a while. But like, I just love this now. And all the posters are start coming, And particularly for me, it's great because... Um, it, uh, it, was, a lot of it was filmed in Liverpool So even in the trailer I'm like I know that building I know that street Oh this is
1: incredible uh, Yes uh, You can find us on Twitter At the extremely awkward handle T underscore FT memory uh, Thanks to both of you For being my guests here today
0: Oh thank you for Thank you for having me
1: And um, obviously you know uh, I think we're all going to have to run Very quickly um, But the listeners can always catch us If they can